Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Liminal Faith Podcast. I'm Helen. I'm here with Sherry Lynn, and we also have another friend with us today. Um, so Sherry Lynn is going to be introducing Benton to you in a moment. Um, just an introduction to us and who we are at Liminal Faith. We are a strange gathering of people who are passionate about having curious conversations about faith and spirituality. Some of us are in church, some of us are not in church. Many of the people connected do come from a Christian tradition, but we are open to all types of people joining us for liminal faith conversations, people who are crossing from one place to another. So however you found yourself here, you are welcome. We hope you enjoy the conversation today. Hello, it's Sherry Lynn here, and yes, we do have a really fun guest, Benton Woodring, on today with us, and um, I'm excited to introduce him to you guys. So I know Benton from uh, working at Unbridled Solutions, an event management company in, out of Denver, Colorado. He and I worked there, overlapped uh, probably only a couple of months, and then he was off to his next ventures, but just in the couple of months that I did get to know Benson, um, I was just fascinated by who he is as a person, how he carries himself, um, and his quiet but um, strong and um, really persistent faith, and some of the ways that his stories in, um, we interweaves with that. So um, he's just a really fun person to know, and I stayed in touch with Benson even after he's no longer at Unbridled, and um, just followed his story on his blog. And anyway, I'm really excited to introduce him to you guys, let him tell you some of his story. Um, and yeah, go from there. So um, I guess one part in particular that I'll foreshadow a bit that I'm excited for Benton to share with you is um, so right after he left Unbridled, he and his family decided to sell everything they have and travel around the country for months in a, a trailer. So I will give you that little tidbit. Um, but I thought that was very connected to liminal faith and wondered what we always talk about being a spiritual nomad and what that feels like. And Benton actually has lived as a nomad, a physical nomad. So I'm excited for him to share that with you. Um, yeah. So Benton, welcome. Thanks for having us. <laughs> yeah, you bet. So um, I thought, I wondered if you could kick us off by kind of telling us, sharing with us how you came to faith, like what your faith background is. How'd you grow up? Yeah, um, I grew up in pretty much a stereotypical conservative Christian household. Um, I was, air quotes, like, um, became a Christian when I was like five, according to my parents. And we, they were part of a church plant, um, the Vineyard um, in Pueblo, Colorado, which is where I grew up. So kind of grew up in that environment, um, knew all the correct things to do and things to say, and kind of went through the motions, but never really um, discovered um, a faith of my own until recently. Um, and a big part of that, um, and this is really core to my story, is uh, a couple years ago, I was traveling to London with my church, um, Bloom, from Denver uh, for an Alpha Leadership Conference, um, and we decided to just visit Budapest a little bit after, um, just as a quick trip, and I was wandering around the city by myself, um, like I like to do when I travel, and just kind of explore, and ended up in 
this little uh, cafe in a basement and I was just eating lunch and not, didn't really have anything in my head at the time and literally felt like a, a physical pull on my chest. Um, and I heard God say, um, where you live and where you work will change. Um, and I hadn't been close to God really at all for years at that point. Um, kind of gone in and out of, uh, being close to him or even thinking about him. So it was definitely a shock to my system. Um, and from that point on, I just, uh, everything really started to change. Um, I went back to London the following year and encountered the, the Holy Spirit in a way I'd never encountered before. And basically since then so much has changed. Um, like, like you alluded to, we <clears throat> felt called to sell all of our belongings and um, move into an old travel trailer of all things um, and just travel around the country with no direction from God. We just kind of wandered aimlessly. <laughs> um, and through that, we God really like kind of broke us down and, rebuilt us and strengthen our faith. And now um, I can say that we're like completely different people now, which is kind of crazy. And so we're in this like new phase of just kind of feeling out what, what God has in store for us. Yes. Okay. So I have to tell you guys this um, fact about Benton that um, actually just happened right there. So Benton is the kind of guy that has these absolutely um, profound, amazing, crazy stories happen to him and experiences that happen to him, but the way that he holds them and talks about them, like he is just so even keel all the time. Like we are always so excited around him and Benton is just like, yeah, this is life. This is what happens to me. This is, a, it's a, I love that about you, Benton. So I feel like there were about 20 amazing nuggets that you just said all together in about five minutes that I would draw into. This <laughs> is so many exciting things. So, um, gosh, I will start way back at the beginning with you talked about growing up as um, the in a family that was church planting, and I was curious what that was like. Um, I know um, I've in my adult life helped with church plants, but I'm not. I've wondered what that would be like from the perspective of a child growing up. Like, what did it feel like to um, have that lifestyle? Yeah. Um, I mean, it was very normal to me. Uh, like my grandpa was a pastor um, at a Methodist church. So we kind of grew up around that. Um, and our closest family friends were the pastors of the church that started the vineyard in Pueblo, um, Colorado. Okay. Uh, we met at a YMCA and so we would set up and tear down um, every Sunday. Um, yeah, we were just there all the time. Um, and to me, it was very normal. I didn't really think anything of it. But I think what I find actually was problematic is I became so used to it that it just didn't really mean anything to me, I think. Um, mm. So I kind of had to, and I, I mean, everybody has to kind of find their own way. Um, I think it actually probably took me a little longer than some people um, just because I was so accustomed to knowing all the right things to say and do that I didn't really um, was never in a place where I was forced to actually use my faith until recently. Mm -hmm. That's an interesting perspective. I'm forced to use your faith. Um, I know for me growing up, um, I heard this phrase and it kind of fit, feels true for me. I'm, I'm curious if it was similar to your, a different experience, but I also grew up in church and it was a 
every Sunday, every Wednesday, we were always there, not in a church plants, but just in um, a church community. And um, the phrase I often heard was that you're inoculated to religion um, and are to God and that it feels like ju- it can feel like just religion, even when it, what's around you is genuine. Um, do you feel like you had any of that experience or, um, but you, you just used it in really a new phrase, which is really interesting being forced to use it. So does that phrase of being inoculated fit for you or is it a different experience? Yeah. Yeah. As a kid, definitely. Um, I mean, I was on the worship team and yeah, helped with set up and tear down all the time. And I was always very involved with my, any church that I was a part of, but yeah, I, I don't think it ever really became truly real until the last few years. Yeah, and then you described, um, so what's similar to your story and mine is um, in both cases, like we said, we just grew up with it being so normal and around us that it didn't feel, it was just regular life. Um, but then there was, you in your experience, and in mine as well, there was a profound experience of something wholly new that in my case, I was sitting on my porch. <laughs> Ellen will laugh because I tell this story way too much. <laughs> um, but when I was sitting on my porch and had the encounter with the what I call the presence of God for the first time, it was so radically different than anything I'd experienced before, despite the fact that I had grown up in church. And it sounds like that was similar to your experience in Budapest. I wonder if you could walk us through that experience in even more detail, Benton. Like I'm, I, when you told me the first time, I remember um, it, even since it's still in, um, I've still thought about it many times, that feeling of being physically nudged. Um, was that like a, like you literally physically felt it in your body or how did that go? Yeah. Um it felt like my chest was like, even my heart was just being pulled forward. Like if that makes sense. Um, like someone reached in and like pulled me forward like a little bit. Um, did you like look down and like see if there was really something there or did you know it was God immediately? Um, I, I think I sensed it was God. I mean, I didn't look down. I just looked straight. I just set my fork down and just kind of sat there for a second. Um, and I was like, Oh, okay. That, that just happened. And I, I just heard him very clearly. Um, like in my thoughts say that that where I live and where I work will change. Um, mm. And so that, that was an experience in itself, but it was very short. And that was all I got in that moment. Um, I had the previous week when we were at Alpha Leadership Conference the first time, um, I had kind of been learning more about like the Holy Spirit. They were just like um, the church that runs Alpha HCB. They're obviously very um, spirit filled and, they were kind of like to them it's very normal to to like um walk in the spirit and use it i guess if that makes sense um and that wasn't something i was accustomed to i was definitely used to hearing about it but never um never understood like what it was like to use it practically and like in real life um and so there's just like some typical practices like like opening your hands and asking for inviting the spirit to come. That was very like I'd heard of it, but I'd never experienced it for myself. And that was starting to kind of shift my heart a little bit prior to Budapest. And then when I went back the following year, um, it was just so much more real because I was kind of already familiar with it. Um, And it was, yeah, it was incredible. And that was really kind of the point where my, everything began to shift for me. 
So in that moment, when you have this profound experience with God, unlike how you'd experienced him before, I'm curious if this brought up a lot of questions for you about um, who God is and, or was it that you had always, that nothing really changed in the way you believed it was just a new experience? Like um, I know for a lot of people in liminal faith in our audience and for myself and that experience, um, in one of our earlier episodes, we talked about the pulling the thread of the sweater and it starts to unravel. I was, I'm curious if anything um, started to shift for you, either unraveling or reconstructing or putting what putting back together, but um, with such a profound encounter, like how that shifted the way that you experience him or even what you believe about him. Yeah, um, I wouldn't say that anything began to unravel. I think for me, like I understood like it's almost a shift from like 2D to 3D for me. Like I, I understood like a lot of the things on a surface level, but never the depth. Um, and now I'm experiencing like the Jesus of the Bible for real. I'm not just reading about him. I'm actually experiencing what it's like to walk in step with him and rely on him daily, if not hourly. Um, so yeah, everything's become like colors have become richer. Words have become more meaningful um yeah i mean it's honestly i've i've never been in this space before and it's incredible i love that you use the phrase colors becoming richer um i probably should have said this at the beginning and didn't but at the vincent is a graphic designer an incredible graphic designer that's what he the work that he did at the company we worked at together um, I'm a web developer and he's a graphic designer and um, Benton is an incredibly good graphic designer. He designs uh, many things, logos being one of them. And um, he just has this, you can tell that he has a profound sense of a profound visual language. Maybe that's the best way to say it. Um, he just sees the world um, in full color. <clears throat> so I'm curious if um, you have, ex how you've experienced your spiritual life interacting with your profession, since it is so artistic, like, do you find God in the work that you do? Or how does that overlap or not? Um, I think it definitely overlaps, maybe not all the time, or it's not something I necessarily seek out. Um, but a lot of times, like, uh, I was actually taking notes the other day and I don't remember, I think I was like watching a movie or listening to a podcast or something, but, oh yeah, no, I was in a meeting with some other um, artists that are part of a collective that I'm joining um, here in Kansas city. Uh, we were just meeting and thinking about developing new products. Um, and they were just kept talking about mystery and depth and story. And I just thought it was so perfect for, cause a lot, a lot of us were artists um, just how, much design incorporates that like when you create a brand um you're telling a story and i like to create things that have multiple meanings and are rich with symbolism so i i can see a lot of parallels in that way between my faith and um the work i do nice i was um, listening to a podcast earlier and then they the they were referring to how there's something really profound about when you um, allow the edges of the kind of sacred secular boundary to go, like when you get rid of those boundaries. Um, 
how we we all get to create something and they, they were talking about like the genesis account and how god is a creator and therefore much of the way that we can uh bring god into the world is to create something and um i love what you're speaking to there of like you know it's not just oh well there are these times where i'm using the skills i have to like create something for god and then there are other times where i'm not but even just in telling story or bringing metaphor or bringing imagery it's sacred even if it doesn't appear you know on kind of first level to be so there's something very sacred in the creative process as well yeah absolutely and, uh, yeah i'm i'm kind of, kind of curious about that um yeah how that kind of shows up um not really kind of understanding everything about your work because it's i you know i haven't worked with you directly but I'm curious how that works if, if there isn't that kind of sacred secular boundary um, and creativity is in the image of God, how does that kind of show up for you? I mean, I'm always, I always love to think of God as like the ultimate designer because um, he created everything that there is. And um, you just look at everything and there's so much like depth and intention and uh, detail to everything. And it's, it's, I mean, for me, like art and designer synonymous with God because I mean, he, like I said, he's like the ultimate designer and creator. And when we're able to take part and use the skills that he's given us to create something new, I feel like there's something special about that. Yeah, I love that. That's great. Okay, so it's a really good time to tell the Gander Mountain story, Benson. <laughs> the perfect moment in this podcast to share that. Okay, so I'll set it up, and then I'd love for you to tell us the story. So in the very small time that Benson and I overlapped at Unbridled, um, I got to experience the best story ever right in front of my eyes. So there was, uh, actually, maybe I'll have you tell the first part of it, Benson. So um, <laughs> do you like that I'm giving you permission to tell? <laughs> I don't mind. <laughs> Let me tell you which parts to tell. All right. I was silently giggling then, and then I was like, I'm glad that I could giggle out loud. But I'm going to tell you, you're going to say the first bit, and then I'll fill the next bit. This is how we're going to do this. No, I, just, I feel like I own part of the story, even though I don't. It's just like I was there, and it was the coolest thing ever. I might chip in as well. I wasn't there, but I might throw a few details in and see how it works. <laughs> okay. So um, there was this logo contest for Gander Mountain. So, um, Benton, how did you hear about that contest? Uh, yeah, uh, our coworker, Michelle, um, had mentioned that there was a logo contest that I should do uh, that had a big grand prize and a bunch of like runners up prizes. Um, and I'd never heard of the company or the guy who was running it and it was due in a couple days. And um, I kind of looked at some of the submissions that were already made and I'm like, no, oh, these aren't great. I feel like I could snag maybe like a thousand dollar gift card as a runner up prize. Well, hear what the gifts were. Like, so what were the different prizes? Right. Um, I, I think it was top 100 was a thousand dollar gift card. Um, the top 100. So like, that's huge, right? Right. Yeah. And then the grand prize was a hundred thousand dollars in cash. And I wasn't even thinking about that when I, um, thought about doing it and so on uh and the top were the top five people are that like so run number two through five weren't didn't they get like five thousand oh, dollars yeah yeah they did um and i was just thinking oh it'd be great to have a thousand dollars to use towards this trailer that i'm working on that nobody knows about um, so pause there yeah so this is part of the background see this is why i gotta do this interactively right. <laughs> <I'm> like, 
Okay, so pause there. So yes, the timing, just like you said, of the where this happened in his story is they were about to go, they knew already that they were going to go travel, sell everything and travel around in the trailer um, coming up. So he had already communicated to um, our company that he was going to transition off of staff with our company and start doing this soon. So they were kind of like the final weeks of prep when this contest came along and he had to whip together that logo in a couple of days. Okay. Keep going. <laughs> right. And so I did, I did it. Um, I kept telling my wife, I need to go work on this. I feel like I need to do this. Um, and we were kind of busy. So it was kind of like a hassle, but she was like, okay, go do it. Um, so I just went to a coffee shop, probably the fastest logo I've ever created. Um, I, do feel like God gave it to me for whatever reason. So yeah, probably about 30, 40 minutes. Um, I don't even think I was done with my coffee yet. And, um, and then I went home and made some more mock-ups and submitted it 15 minutes before it was due. Um, wow. I didn't know. Yeah. That. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, I didn't, I wasn't really, I was just thinking about the the thousand dollar gift card that I had. And weren't you guys, about. that was part of what motivated it, right? Cause weren't you guys needing some funds to finish the trailer off and to make this trip that you knew God had asked you to do? Right. And yeah, we actually had, didn't have any money to pay for a trailer or an SUV to tow. We actually took loans out and I don't like that very much. And so it was really hard for me to, but we knew like God is asking us to do this. So we were going to just step out and we'll, we'll figure it out. Like he'll provide, um, so yeah, uh, a few weeks go by, we're working on the, the um, renovating this old trailer we found on Craigslist. It was really hard work. <laughs> um, you guys and, did a ton on that. Yeah. Uh, and then I think a week before the contest uh, or the winner was going to be announced, um, I got a call from, a mi- I had a missed call, I was getting my hair cut and I had a missed call from... Um, Minneapolis, which is where the Gander Outdoors headquarters are. Um, and it's like, has like just kind of like butterflies in my stomach. I called them back and they're like, hey, you're in the top five. Um, we just need to know like where you're going to be on this date. Uh, so and I was pause. Like, okay. Top five. So top five already. Like how, how many submissions were there, Benton? There was like a ridiculous number. It was, it was either 5,000 or 6,000. I don't remember what the number like was. Thousands of people are submitting logos for this contest like lots and lots of people. And like you said, there was a large category that was like, okay, like, well, okay, let me actually phrase it from my perspective. Benton looks at him and says, um, you know, I could do better than this. I look at, they're all good to me. So there's no way I could even <laughs> test any of them. Right. Like they're like, these are, this is a heavy, heavy duty competition. And he's already finding out that he's in the top five. Like that's ridiculous. Keep going. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I know it's the top five, but I was not allowed to tell anybody. And the original date that they were going to um, come out, I was actually going to be in uh, Boca Raton for work. And so I would have just been by myself. Um, oh, funny. So they, they ended up changing doing... at the last minute. And did you know ahead of time? So they ended up doing this kind of publisher's clearinghouse style show up and surprise the winner. Did you know ahead of time that they were going to do that, be on location and show up to for the... When yeah, I think I had the gist. I knew that they were going to fly out. Um, but I was like, well, there's still, I didn't even know that there was going to be a top five. So I was like, oh, well, maybe that's just a ploy. I don't, so I don't know. I wasn't really sure what to think about it. So I, I didn't tell anybody. Um, yeah. And then like a week later, 
it was the day that they were going to announce it. And I was just on Twitter, like refreshing my feed because so, Marcus yes, was like tweeting about it. This is where I enter the story. So I didn't even know. I had heard things. <laughs> I'm taking this bit. I want this bit. <laughs> Not that I've waited until I've entered the story to tell anything. <laughs> This is where I come in, <laughs> um, which I have no involvement whatsoever other than a spectator, but it was super fun. Um, so I was, at, we were all at work that day and I sit right next to, um, or I did sit right next to Benton in our offices. And um, ben, this is what I mean when I say Benton is always like so even keel like business as usual, everything is super normal. If it were me and I knew there were top five people and I could potentially win a hundred thousand dollars that day, like the entire universe would know it. And I would be so like <laughs> emotional and all over the place, not Ben 10. Like we don't even know that there's anything going on. Somehow he like mentions to somebody in passing and that there, the contest winner was going to be revealed today and we knew that he had entered the contest and actually so a co-worker asked me about it What's I, that? a co-worker asked me about it i didn't i wasn't even going to tell you yeah that's yeah, was like, so like isn't that, that happening today isn't there like a live stream going on like in five minutes <laughs> yes so like this is how he tells us because somebody asked him and then so we in the way he says it is like yeah, I mean, just again, super flat. And so we're like, wait a minute. Like, we had to ask him 12 times to make sure we heard that right. Like, okay, hold on. Like, it's happening today. Like, wait, and you're still in. Wait, and like, this could be you. Like, wait, what? Like, we couldn't get our heads around it. And so then he's over there at his computer, like he said, refreshing the live stream because he knows they're about to reveal it and on Facebook and Twitter live. And he knows it could potentially be him. And so by this time, now once any one of us at the office got hold of it, the whole office knew in about 2.2 seconds that this was about to go down. And so we were all gathered around Benton's computer watching him refresh, but he is still just as even keel. You would never know the difference, but we were freaking out. Yeah. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, so we're watching the stream and we see Marcus, um, who is the one presenting the check, uh, and he's showing the four runners up and my logo wasn't on there so i was like well i guess that's there's a chance i could win and then um one of my coworkers was like wait that's denver that's the skyline behind him and i was like well somebody else could be in denver that won <laughs> <laughs> and then we noticed uh that looks really that looks like our street oh my yeah. god <laughs> somebody goes our coworker goes over and looks out the window and i go with him the people are in their car right down the road and so we all start freaking out and sure enough benton wins a hundred thousand dollars for this logo contest yeah it was surreal <sighs> See, that's it's crazy. Just real. But like, <laughs> like that's Ben said. Yeah. Wow. I won. <laughs> like, we're like ten, ten. Oh my goodness. Well, it was hard because I, I think I had a feeling I would win. Well, obviously, no, I was in the top five, but I just kind of felt something around it. So, yeah. And everyone's like, "Why aren't you more excited?" I was like, "Well, I kind of knew." <laughs>
Yeah, so I, so I had already that, prepared myself. <laughs> that's why I really wanted you to tell that story because of how it intersects your spiritual journey. So not only does it show like how ridiculously talented Benson is actually. So now if you go look at Gander Outdoors on their website or anything, the logo that's there, that was um, Benton. Benson designed that. That's the logo that they use everywhere on all their stores. Um, but after winning this contest, and like you said, you kind of had a sense of it probably from that spiritual perspective, like how did that impact this journey that you were about to take? Uh, it was just, uh, it felt great. I mean, the, the, we didn't honestly don't really care about the money that much, but the, it was just like this huge like confirmation for us because we were kind of struggling. We're like, how are we going to pay for this? This is, I mean, we're trying to do it as inexpensively as possible. It's still going to be a good chunk of money. Um, and like the the day I won that, um, uh, my wife came over and like we all went to lunch after that during during work just to kind of celebrate. But um, she just looked at me. And she I don't know. We just like we just knew like this is what exactly what we're supposed to be doing. We had, mm-hmm. we like kind of knew at that point. We were like, is this right? Like it's weird. Like it seems it seems cool on like a service level, but um, it was just a huge huge affirmation. Um, that God was like, yes, you're doing the right thing. Um, and we had to step out in faith well before we had the resources, um, like, or knowing that, that we would have the resources. So that was, I think it was just a huge, it was a big step for us. And, and now I think looking back, taking a step like that would not be that hard, but, um, it was really big cause we had been in Denver for six years and kind of felt stuck. And, um, I kind of felt trapped by just like having a good job and like didn't feel like I could go anywhere. And I'd always wanted to do freelance, but just didn't feel like it was practical with having two kids. Um, Yeah. So it was just a huge affirmation. It definitely like kicked off uh, this whole new chapter of our lives. So I'm really intrigued about um, what changed in you from the kind of uprooting from in inverted commas, kind of normal life. You've got a good job you know, you're in the city, your family are there. And then you're suddenly off in this trailer, like completely different. But I'm, I'm really curious what changed. It, like, it feels like God loosened your roots, but I'm curious, you know, what the impact of that was. Yeah, that's exactly what he did. Um, he like more tore them out <laughs> violently. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, that's definitely what it felt like. We felt very stuck and, um, we were not close to God or we, we weren't super happy and just kind of felt stuck and like we were just going through the motions and every day was the same. Um, and I think like, and I never really understood. And actually looking back on the trip when we first, um, like throughout the trip, I just kind of look, look back. I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. Like we sold all of our stuff. Um, and when we, when we ended up where we are now in Kansas city, I, I looked back and I'm just like, we spent all this money. Um, it just seemed kind of frivolous and we sold all of our stuff. Now we had to buy new, more furniture and for this apartment and like all this stuff. I'm like, this is just like so much wasted money. <laughs> that was like my perspective. But I was like, no, like this was all happened for a reason. He, he resourced, gave you everything you needed in order to do that. Mm-hmm. But there wasn't, I wouldn't say there was a huge change from just winning the contest. It was more what followed the season that followed while we were in the trailer. Um, obviously we expected it to be fun and um, exciting as we like kind of like go on a cool adventure. That's kind of like a once in a lifetime thing. And um, we actually were preparing ourselves to be in there for a year. Um, 
we, we honestly didn't know how long we'd be in there. So like, Oh, I guess we'll just try to mentally prepare ourselves for being in there that long. Um, and we're so glad it did not last longer than the two and a half, three months that we were in there. Um, it actually was very, very difficult. Um, it's a, it was the old trailer. Um, I think it was a 2000 trailer. So it's kind of old, had, had some issues and we were just constantly working on it. Um, and God never gave us a direction. He just said to go. Um, and so we're like, okay. <laughs> so we just kind of visited family around the, around the country a little bit and until we ran out of places to go. Um, and that, that's when it became really difficult. We just had no direction. I've been try- was trying to figure out how to work full-time freelance um, while also like leaving my wife and children in this tiny trailer as I go try to find Wi-Fi somewhere. Um, and half the time we were camping off grid. Um, just, we were just trying to make things as inexpensive as possible, um, which is hard. And we just began to just be broken down like emotionally and spiritually. And it was, it was really difficult. Um, and, and it was honestly not what we were expecting, but God used that time to just break us apart basically from the people we were um, and just force us to rely on him like in a way that we never had before. So where all did you travel in that time? Nowhere super exciting. It was kind of, um, since we weren't planning it, we would just kind of drive around. (laughs) I mean, we, we visited some family in Kansas and then, um, more family in North Carolina outside of Asheville. Uh, We stayed there for a month. That was kind of like our first official place that we stayed. Um, And then from there we went to through up towards DC. We stayed out there for a little bit. And then we started heading down the East coast um, through like Huntington beach and then um, Savannah. And then we kind of wandered around Florida a little bit. Um, And that's when things were getting pretty difficult and, uh, I think we were, we also went to like Panama city beach. Um, and then another place outside of, uh, Destin and yeah, as, as at that point, um, so we've been wandering this whole time. We were like, we just don't know how much longer we can do this. It's really difficult for the kids and just all of us. Cause we're just all stressed out and, um, I don't know, just kind of wandering aimlessly and just felt very lost, uh, and I, I had been holding on pretty, pretty well up to that point. Um, just, I just kept digging into, to God and just kind of like being like, I know you want me to continue doing this or we're going to continue doing this until you tell us to stop basically. Um, and we were at a, a state park in Florida when, and we were driving in, we were just so worn out. Um, and it was kind of a nicer park. It was small and quiet um, on a lake and, we just kind of felt a huge sense of peace come over us and we were like, Oh, like something's going to shift. We just, we both kind of sensed at the same time as we were driving in. Um, we're like, something's going to change. And we, we don't, we didn't know what, but, um, during the next few days, we just treated it as like a mini vacation from our trip and, um, just spent time together and cooked over the fire. We hadn't even made a fire up until that point. Um, and God just kind of spoke to us as like, it's time to go settle down and work on your businesses. Um, and I mean, mine's my design business and my wife has been working on a lifestyle blog. Um, 
And so we're like, okay. And so we started thinking like where would be an inexpensive place to go. Um, maybe one that's good for creatives and entrepreneurs. And we kind of thought of a few places, but Kansas city kept popping up and we didn't really know why. Um, so we researched a little more and um, it just continued to feel right. And so we're like, okay, we're going to Kansas city. And so we drove straight there in two days, um, parked our trailer, looked for an apartment, um, went with the first company we met with and started moving in basically. Um, so it was, we just knew it was time. And so now, yeah. And, and then God called us here and we're, it feels, I mean, he keeps affirming like that we're in the, in the correct place. So in all of those moments, I'm really curious about like any one of those places that you described in your nomadic season, like what did it feel like to make the decision to go to the next place? So from, you know, DC to wherever was next. And then from that, like the, the moment of decision that someone would decide, was it super casual? Was it like, how did those, how, those decisions get made? Um, we never really planned. We'd usually plan like a few days in advance. Um, be like, Oh, our time is up here or we can't stay here anymore. <laughs> we need to go somewhere else. Um, and we just kind of searched for like some good, like off grid camping that would be cheap just kind of along the way. We I honestly don't really know how we decided where we were going to go. We were going to go north because we wanted to see the fall leaves, but our trailer was very cold and um, drafty, so we didn't want to go north. So we decided to go south where it would possibly be warmer. Um, I mean, that's kind of how we made our decision and just found free camping along the way and stayed at a couple campsites that were a little nicer so we could get hookups and charge up our batteries and stuff. Um, so, yeah, I mean, sometimes it was exciting to be like, we're just going to go to this place on a whim. And other times it was stressful um, just because we just didn't know what would be there when we got there. What was your spiritual life like during that season? Like did I can imagine you couldn't really find a church to go to. Um, do you, like, how did, what was your spiritual practice like while you traveled? Yeah, we in outside of Asheville, we went to a church that, uh, that's where my brother lives. We went to his church for a few weeks and um, we also went to an elevation church campus. that was in Asheville, um, which was awesome. And we just kind of visited churches along the way. Uh, but a lot of days, I mean, we'd be traveling or just passing through a town and didn't really have a place to go. Um, but when we did go to churches, like along the way, it was great just to experience like life together with other like, people that believed in Jesus and like that that could happen anywhere. It just kind of reminds you of um, like how big that family is that, that we are a part of that um, like they're all over the world and you can just connect with them. And I don't know, it was kind of neat. And then a lot of other um, times it was just me just spending time journaling and reading um, kind of trying to catch up on the blog as we were just kind of writing about our story. Um, so I would, as I would go in for a day for work, I would go to a coffee shop and journal and read and, um, and then kind of work on the blog. That was kind of how I stayed, stayed connected. Um, it definitely wasn't as easy for, for my wife since she was home with the kids or in the trailer with the kids. And so it was kind of difficult and yeah, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't ideal, but it was definitely, um, it all, it definitely all happened for a reason. We can see that looking back now. What is the reason as you reflect from, from the vantage point you have currently anyway? 
yeah um it just before we were i think we were too close to it to really see it but now it's like god just needed to get us out of denver for whatever reason we're not sure why and maybe it's just maybe not the physical place but the spiritual place we were in and put us somewhere new where we could flourish um but he had to break us down and kind of recreate us in a way in order to do that um because we just kind of like entrenched in our ways and like weren't really paying attention to god he wasn't central um and so by like he literally like forced us to have to rely on him be like he was basically saying like i want to use you but um where the space you're in now is probably not the best and in order to use you i need you to like completely trust in me with like all you are basically um and that's where that's what um the space for in now and why kansas city do you know that yet um not specifically but um it's honestly a like a creative mecca um i've the more i'm here the more i've uh, learned that um like i've had friends that are pretty big in the not well they're not big in the design world but they're very good at what they do and they've worked in new york and la and they say kansas city is as good or better in some in some aspects and it's a very tight community um so once you're in um it's very easy to get connected um and we we were meeting people getting meetings set up with people before we even got here because we had friends that were from the city um just connecting us with as many people as possible um yeah i mean i feel like we've already been here it feels like we've been here years already when we've only been here like five months i think um also this church that we're a part of now is i feel like a huge part of the puzzle um i go to a church called the cause which is a, a hillsong church here in kansas city and it's the people it's just are just incredible here and uh, god is just doing you can just feel um that things are happening here which is great um yeah, and we've just been able to connect with a ton of people here. And it, it's, I've connected with other people actually that have similar stories. Um, like one guy I was talking to, he moved here six months ago, wasn't sure really, really sure why um, he got connected at the church. Um, but he talks about um, how there's just so much like life here and like richness, which I feel also, um, it kind of just feels like the soil is fertile here for whatever reason. I, um, I love that your story is a physical representation of what so many people who are connected to liminal faith are experiencing internally. Like there's this place which is your Denver, um, you know, it's okay. Um, there's lots of good about it, but there's something about it that's off and just doesn't feel right. And often it's a, a spiritual disconnect, which is some of what you spoke to. And then there's this middle place which is this kind of wandering nomadic place where you don't really know where you're going and it, it's actually much harder than you think like one of the things that I was thinking when you were talking was that it's like everyone's dream you know let's get the trailer and travel around in fact I've been trying to convince my husband that we should get a trailer and travel around the US so I may or may not, not going for it yet. <laughs> um, but but actually the reality of it is very different and then there's this place where you find yourself where god leads you calls you or you know however it happens um which is this place of new life and flourishing and richness and um yeah it's actually such an honor to hear your story because i i knew pieces of it but just to see like your this whole part of your journey is such a great metaphor for many of us who are still in that wandering stage 
um, we're still in the kind of nomadic middle. And I'm curious what you would say to us from your physical experience. Do you have any tips of how do you wander well when you're not quite sure when you're going to end up kind of finding roots somewhere else? Right. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I still feel like I'm in uh, a liminal space and I kind of want to stay there, um, if that mm. makes sense. But basically, because um, I feel like God is always calling us to something new and that we're going to be stretched and there'll be growing pains in the process. But yeah. I've, I've learned just digging in, um, even when it doesn't make sense. Like, I, I definitely struggle with doubt and fear um, in the middle of all this, like not knowing when our next paycheck will come. Uh, Cause I'm completely freelance. I don't really have a ton of clients. Um, and our bank account is empty most of the time, but we always have enough money when we need it, which has been an adjustment. Um, just knowing that like maybe we won't always have money saved up, but there will always be, we will always be provided for that. We just have to trust God for that. But, um, this space kind of feels like a new version of kind of what I experienced before, like in between Budapest and the trailer, basically it was, um, I was struggling with God told me this thing that where it like things are going to change, but I didn't know how to, like, I felt like I had to ha make it happen myself basically. Mm -hmm. So I kept striving. I'm like, Oh, I'll apply for new job positions and, maybe that's what needs to happen or I'm going to get re relocated and work at this other agency somewhere else. And, um, eventually like nothing happened. I just kept getting frustrated and God was like, you just need to focus on rebuilding your relationship with me and your foundation and just digging deeper and preparing yourself for what I have, um, for you basically. And I finally just stopped striving and just kind of, um, relaxed, I guess. And, just started just spending time with him and listening to him. Um, and that's what I did in the, in the trailer too. When I, when we went through all that, I basically just dug in cause I kind of already knew the drill at that point. Um, and it, that's kind of what kept me <laughs> like, we did completely fall apart, but it kind of kept me from, um, I don't know. It, it, it kept it healthy, I guess, if that makes sense. Mm, yeah. One of the other things I was going to ask you was about, um, stuff like have it physical things i'm guessing when you're in the trailer you can't have much and there seems to be this movement now um of people almost wanting to kind of shed all the stuff like all the stuff gets in the way of somehow experiencing the sacred in the normal day and experiencing god um, and i was curious if you had any experience of that like when you don't have all of the stuff that we kind of accumulate in this modern environment did that impact you in any way absolutely um i mean in denver we kind of lived we lived in a one-bedroom apartment with all four of us and some people thought that was kind of weird but we because we didn't really care about space and things but when we moved into a trailer we obviously had to pare down much more and we sold everything and in the moment it felt like kind of exciting and then kind of later we were like oh that was like all of our stuff that we've had and like furniture we had like worked on and um built and all these things that we had and it kind of hurt for a little bit um for me and i'm not really like a much of a material possessions kind of guy but i and i was so i was kind of surprised by it but um later i god was just kind of um showing me that we're moving into like this new space that we don't need things. And you actually, 
I feel more at peace when I have less. Um, Cause when you're just striving to like gain more, just to kind of, um, I don't know, make yourself feel better or something that it, it's just like a vicious, vicious cycle that doesn't really seem to end. And I've kind of lost any type of desire for that kind of thing. Like when we bought new furniture, I didn't really care what we had um, too much because like my, I don't really put too much purpose on those things other than just like the physical use that I get out of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, a lot of it, a lot of it was just kind of like wiping the slate clean. And then a lot of it was just like, things are no longer the center that got us the center. Wow, that's great. I, I love that. I mean, it's so countercultural, and uh, I just keep hearing that more and more, reading it and seeing it and just realizing there's this thread that I think of people starting to let go of exactly what you said, the stuff which has given them comfort or, you know, filled the gap and starting to realize that it just doesn't, it doesn't do the job that you want it to do. So yeah, it's really inspiring. Benson, isn't that what Gina's blog's about, minimalism? Yeah, uh, minimalism and veganism. Um, and oh. she's, yeah, she's kind of, now that we're in Kansas City, she's really repositioning and God's doing some exciting stuff and she's kind of um, figuring out a direction. But yeah, that's essentially what it's, what it's about. So we had to, yeah, I guess we were even more minimalist <laughs> in a 140 square foot trailer. You can't really bring much with you. Yeah. I'm curious how you think Kansas City might be different if you went from Denver to Kansas City as opposed to from Denver to Nomad to Kansas City. Right. Yeah. I kind of wondered that myself because I would, uh, when we were fresh out of the trailer, we went back to Denver to visit for Christmas and talk to some friends. And I was just like, why? Like, why did we have to do the whole trailer thing before Kansas City? Why couldn't we just like move straight there, keep all of our furniture, <laughs> like make it much less stressful. Um, and obviously it was there for a, a very big reason, but um, and they're like, well, maybe I don't, a lot of my friends are like, well, you probably wouldn't have moved there <laughs> unless that would have happened. Um, yeah. I mean, honestly, I don't, I wasn't sure what to expect. We actually have loved it so far and have been surprised by it. Cause we're definitely city people. Um, Denver was great for us cause we love just like walking everywhere and having great food and coffee and all that. Um, and all the conveniences that come with living in a bigger city. Um, and I was kind of scared to like lose that. Um, but it's been good. I mean, yeah, I, I, I don't think we would have just, if God would have been like moved to Kansas city, I, I probably would have just written it off. Yeah. I love that. Especially, um, Helen, what you talked about, about how parallel, Benton's journey is to what we feel spiritually in this liminal faith place. Uh, It's exactly the parallel that I have made as I've watched and heard his story. And um, in that light, that's a really interesting thing you just noted there, Benton, is that um, your answer to how it would have been different is that it wouldn't have been (laughs) like, you probably wouldn't have been in Kansas city. Um, You couldn't find the place that you were supposed to go if you didn't wander. Um, and I think back to that, the part of your story that was in the Florida park where you were first heard to go to Kansas city. It's like, how did you even get to that park? Well, you got there from the place before that and the place mm-hmm. before that from the place before that, like each of those little steps was one more step to the thing that was next. And that does feel true to what this liminal faith place feels like that there is something next. Um, 
not and in the same way that you talk about it Benton that it's still even though you're now in a new place in Kansas City you still feel that it's a liminal space and you still feel it's calling you forward it feels like that's the thing that is waiting to happen on this liminal journey that there's a a new place that'll still be liminal but it's kind of this new rooted place but you we wouldn't have gotten there if we hadn't gone through the wandering season that we're in now and asking the questions that we are now it's like each play each step that you take gives you a new vantage point and from that vantage point you take the next step and it's without going to all those tiny steps and all those vantage points you wouldn't have seen the thing that's coming next. Um, and I think that's why it takes courage to do what you've done, you and your family have done physically, to take, um, sell everything and not have a clue where you're going, but just to wander. It takes courage to wander mm. physically and spiritually. Um, and that's encouraging then to us to hear your story of um, you're finding a new place of thriving that you're coming out of a place that you felt stuck and you're not, you don't feel stuck anymore. You feel like you're in a new place to thrive, but you got there by just taking little wandering steps and not knowing where it was all going. Mm-hmm. So good. Benton, I really want to thank you for your time and for sharing your story. And um, one of the things that I love about liminal faith is that all of our stories are different and, uh, Yours is really different. I haven't met anyone before who, you know, won a hundred thousand pounds in a thing and went off in the trailer. Oh, so you dollars, know. not pounds. Let's <laughs> oh, oh, it's dollars. That is slightly different. So, no. <laughs> um, but I, I just really appreciate you sharing your story because I think one of the things that I am learning about story is that um, when we tell our own story, somehow we tell other people's story as well. So. I have no idea who's going to hear this, but it feels important that there are people out there who need to hear those different parts of your story. So I just appreciate you sharing that with us, where you've been spiritually and where you've been physically and what God has been leading you to and leading you from. So, yeah, um, absolutely. Before we jump off, Benton, um, you have a new um, venture that you're cooking up that I've heard you talk about called Marginal. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, it's it's very up in the air, but I feel like that's a big part of um, what God is calling uh, me into, and and my wife as well. We just he has all these ventures that he's kind of been showing us. Uh, my design company being one, which is essentially going to fund everything. I feel like at this point, um, uh, but I've been feeling a pull to create uh, just a community of creatives and entrepreneurs and and nomads um, to basically better their communities and um, build each other up and create something new that wasn't there before and giving people because like as a as entrepreneurs and creatives and nomads there's you're definitely in it you're always in an in between you're in you're in in a marginal space where um, you can feel lonely or things can be unpredictable um, and basically this will connect people that are all facing those same um, struggles and um, give you give opportunities to basically use the skills and knowledge and influence you have to um, benefit society essentially and a lot of it's still very much in the works but that's kind of the a dream I have and continue to, to work on it and, and get clarity from God and as he kind of like leads me forward it's it's been a little slow but um, 
yeah, he'll give me new nuggets and I can't just keep pushing forward and honestly can't wait to see. I feel like this is going to be like the thing that I work on for the foreseeable future for some reason. Sounds super exciting. I've loved hearing you talk about it. Marginal and liminal sound like they have a lot in common. Yeah, yeah it's exactly there. Yeah. The parallels are uncanny. <laughs> well, if people want to find you, Benton, where, um, what, what's the domain of your blog and what's Gina's blog so people can look you up? Yeah. Uh, so our blog that talks about our trips and spiritual journey is porticohouse.com. Um, and then my wife's is not yet up yet. She's actually just renamed. Um, but right now you can find her at raw minimalist on Instagram, um, and kind of follow her there and we'll be changing some things up and have some exciting things coming. So, and Benton, as you can imagine by winning a hundred thousand dollar Gander mountain contest is an incredibly talented designer. So any of you guys looking for freelance design, comes with my highest recommendation he's amazing so where can they find you at benton design uh that would just be at benton.design all right well thanks everyone for joining us for another episode benton super fun to hear your story great to catch up thanks for giving us such a beautiful physical representation and metaphor for our spiritual journey yeah thank you for having me